Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If anybody out there has any information leading to any sort of closure, any sort of conclusion, any information, please contact the New Hampshire Cold Case Unit at 603-223-3856. Please call that number if you have any information whatsoever that may lead to some sort of answer in Moore's disappearance. to the Missing Mora Marie podcast. I am Tim, here tonight with Lance. How you doing? I'm outstanding. How are you? I'm well tonight. So for this episode, we have our Facebook Live audio, like we've been doing for the last several episodes, recap episodes for each of Oxygen's uh, The Disappearance of Mora Marie episodes. So this is the final one after the finale. So Lance, how'd you think the show ended? I thought episode six was, it followed the course of the entire season. It was extremely informative. It started off in one place and ended in a completely different place than what you would expect. Uh, That's been the case with every episode. Um, Again, like, just very well done. Um, There are certain things about this episode that may rub people the wrong way. The psychic, some people really like psychic, some people really don't hold much stock in them. Uh, the hike, the hike was something that we keep talking about as being a lot more difficult and there's no way that the show really, really could have shown how difficult that hike was unless they showed a solid seven hours worth of footage of like grueling hike footage. Yeah. It didn't really do it, uh, do it justice how steep, um, the trail down the mountain was after we were up on top of the mountain, uh, and and by the way, this was not enjoyable in the least. Uh, no, and I keep saying this. This was this was technically your first hike, and even for somebody who who hikes, it 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 is it is a hike right before you get to that part. Like now, I'm scrambling rocks, and it's more like I'm climbing. It was. It, I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but not by much. I mean that 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 down desolation trail that that um dissension was crazy yeah that was intense and we didn't even have 
camera equipment on us. There were camera guys that and audio guys and the photographer, and they're we're 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 scooting down rocks on right. our asses, like because that's how you needed to do it. Right. Um, extraordinarily irresponsible of whoever sent the coordinates. Um, but I'll, we'll get back to that in a sec. I really want to say that the way the show wrapped up was really nice. I thought the way the show wrapped up with the family was really nice and surprisingly somber and gave a good look, a good insight into where, I don't know, where the case is at and where the family's at. And you can, you can, you can read frustration in, in Maggie's and Art's demeanor. You know, they really want something positive and some conclusive uh, evidence, something conclusive to happen here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, episode six didn't feel like the end. You know what I mean? Like it, it might be the end of the series. You know, likely is. I know people have been talking. Is there a season two coming? Is there a season two? Uh, I don't know. We have no idea. We have not heard of anything like that. So if that's gonna happen, it hasn't been run by us at all yet. Right. And the the overall thing to take from this, from the whole experience of the six episodes, uh, this oxygen show, the Texas crew production. Um, the show is made up of these parts of the whole of the case. And and the whole is more important than, for the most part, the parts that make up this show. So what this show has done by putting together all of these parts, if you if you look at it on, on as a whole, it's doing a lot more for the case. You might not, like, my, for example, you might not agree with psychics. You might not agree that we should have gone on this hike. It doesn't matter. Mm. The, what, what happens for the case is really the most important part. Right. Oh, the email. Uh, so people have been asking about the email that we received the morning of the hike, which was this past August. I think it was August 6th of 2017 that we went on this hike and we received an email 10 minutes before our call time, before we were supposed to meet everyone to leave, to drive over to the trail, to go hike to the coordinates and uh, so it was it was pretty exciting, actually, uh, as we talked about last night, Lance, on the um, Crime Con cold case meeting. Uh, it was actually it wasn't really spooky or creepy at that point to us because it wasn't like we had a choice. I mean, we were going and it was just kind of like, oh, this asshole again, you know. Right. And it helps when you have a U.S. Marshal uh, and you're surrounded by other people. If, if we, if it just been you and I, it would have been a little bit creepier. Um, but having those people there with us set, set my mind and probably your mind at ease a little bit more. But yeah, I just want to say, I mean, we said it last night. I just want to say and reiterate, like, fuck you to the person who sent the coordinates and the person who tied the stupid ribbons off on the tree. It's childish. It's irresponsible. It's not safe. Um, on the on the on the way down, our guide Dustin and Maggie both got stung by yellow jackets, and, and we were trouncing on 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 the 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 over growth of the ground when we went out to the coordinates. It's a it's a goddamn wonder one of us didn't step on a bee's nest. I mean, right. I was jamming a, a, a shovel into the earth. It's a wonder that more like more bad shit didn't happen. So just to reiter reiterate, a big fuck you to the people who did this. We went there, we checked out your stupid coordinates. It's done. It, there's nothing there. Awesome. You got your way. Like, really, I hope it gave you a good laugh. And bottom line is, fuck you. Oh, and one more thing. Fuck you. <laughs> right. Um, so a lot, some people have commented online that uh, that they, they saw that other people had gotten to the coordinates 
um, a little bit before we had with the TV show, and and that is true, and we're not trying to hide from that in any way. Um, it was Alex and Chloe, our buddies, but it's not like the network is gonna like let us talk about that, you know? Like we obviously talked about that on the hike. It's it's gonna get cut out. Like, come on, it's it's a TV show. They're 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 not gonna want it make it seem like someone had been there yet. Um, now, with that said, Alex and Chloe, and I think one other person went, they're not guides, they're not U.S. Marshals. So I think there was absolutely some value to going back with more professional people. No offense to Alex and Chloe, they know I, we like them. So it wasn't like it was all for TV, you know what I mean? I mean, a, a big part of that hike was sort of for the drama of it, but it had to be checked off. It was something on a list that had to be checked off. Right. And we knew that the TV crew could provide us with a guide who's done things like this before. And we actually had two guides and they, they helped carry equipment. They helped carry food. They helped carry water. Um, I thought they were going to have to help carry you. Um, (laughs) I did fall (laughs) asleep on the trail. Actually, technically I did. I want to say really? like twice. I swear to God, I did. As we were, as you were walking, when no, uh, when we were, because we were kind of leading the trail out of there. There ended up being three smaller groups that was because it was about thirteen people or something like that total uh, doing this hike, and so everyone kind of separated into different groups on the way out of there. We were speed walking basically, trying to get the hell out of there before night fell, which we uh, didn't really have a chance at, um, and so. There were a few times where we would just wait on the trail, wait to make sure we're still going the right way, make uh, you know, make sure we hear people approaching uh, our group. And so as we were sitting there on the trail, I fell asleep, just putting my head down a couple of times, just sitting up. Um, That's impressive. Yeah, I remember that when we were sitting there and we were waiting for them and we had our, our headlamps going. We were just waiting to hear something or to see headlamps. Um, and I, I remember... I remember not wanting to sit down because I knew how tough it would be to stand back up. I mean, like my goddamn knees felt like elastic bands that had been pulled about as tight as possible. And I thought if I sat back down, if I sat down and stood back up that they would just snap. And, um, also I, <laughs> I was, I was getting a little freaked out for like bears and shit too. Cause <laughs> it's like uh, picturing a bear just like barreling out at us. <laughs> it was freaky when it was like, we were like waiting 15 minutes for the group or more. We were probably waiting. Right, just sitting we're like, there. how far ahead of <laughs> Yeah, do we really like, walk that fast, we? or are we lost? Uh, so. Or are they lost? Yeah, right. Yeah. There's nothing quite like the feeling of when we're in that moment. There's nothing quite like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I remember we actually were going to leave the headlamps for them and leave a, a light on one of the headlamps so they would see that there was something there for them to pick up because we weren't sure we wanted to leave something right. for them and then when you finally see them come around you hear it and you know it's real and they're they're coming around and, and you're like oh jesus awesome like that feeling of just like oh god thank you thank yeah. you we're all on the, we're still all going in the same direction so we got ended up getting out of there if i don't if i uh recall correctly it was around 10 10 30 we got out of the fucking woods um, and to the having gone lot. in at like seven, uh, I would say like more, it ended up being more like nine by the time we actually, Oh, because we did in. all of those, uh, did a few shots. We and did stuff the shooting like before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, we go in at about nine and we're out at about 1030. Yeah. So it was a little bit over Silly. 13 hours probably. Um, no one feeling too good afterwards. I, I heard, I, I know for a fact one person threw up from dehydration 
but I heard a rumor that two other people did too. Hey, who threw what? Who threw up after the hike? <laughs> after the after the hike, you know very well, very well uh, <laughs> that I did. Um, I tried to uh, drink a little Gatorade and I couldn't hold it down. And yeah, uh, well, know. that's. I mean, you went in saying I I don't hike, I don't like hiking, and I've never really hiked before. And for this to be your first hike, I'm surprised you only threw up. <laughs> well, on the way back to Loon, where we were staying, we uh, rode over with Maggie and Art. So uh, Art was driving back, and we were in the back. Maggie was in the front. And I had that Gatorade bottle that I only took a sip or two out of, and then I hurled. Uh, but I had it in the car still, and I was trying to drink out of it. And I opened the bottle, but for some reason I thought it was right side up. But it, it, apparently it was upside down completely with the top off. And and so it, all the liquid just fell onto the floor of this uh, rent, uh, rental Nissan Rogue and all over my uh, several thousand dollar camera, might I add. Uh, and you were like, oh, uh, you, uh, you want me to shine a light so you can assess the damage? And I'm like, no, no. I don't even care. I'm going to look at it tomorrow. <laughs> And uh, the camera was fine, um, and I but I never told Maggie or Art, and I didn't know that it was a rental at that at that point. I was like, I felt really bad. I, I thought I like uh, stained Art's car, or <laughs> and then I, I fell what, asleep. I wonder what would have happened. I'm 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 sure he would have been fine with it. If, but like the last thing after that long day is you you want to tell Art like, dude, I just spilled like half a Gatorade on your floor, <laughs> and your car was in pretty good condition. It wasn't like it was a mess. I was just like holding it too, and I just like it, it didn't. I was watching it empty. <laughs> I was like, oh, you were this actually is upside down. Slow about it too. Yeah, this is you upside. were like, oh shit. <laughs> and then I finally, yeah, but all of it had emptied. Uh, so that yeah so once again fuck you to the person who sent the, the uh, coordinates um, and right. as far as who sent it that morning I mean we, we've been over this in our heads we've talked about this over and over and over who could have sent the coordinates that day because they came in 10 minutes before the call time so you would think that it was someone who knew that we were going that day logically otherwise it's a huge needle in a haystack coincidence when you think about it, because we never even got the coordinates in the first place. They actually went to Renner both times. And so this would be the third time coordinates were emailed. But this is the first time that we got them. So uh, pretty interesting. But it's like everyone pretty much told their spouse. Um, you know, the people at the network knew. The people on the production team knew. Like my girlfriend knew. Uh, that, you know, there's not many other people it could have been if it was someone who knew that we were going. Well, I, I can I can tell you that um, Art and Maggie's reaction to it, what you see on the show, was pretty genuine. It almost felt like no one could really like compute it in their head when when you showed the uh, email when we were out there and we were trying to show them and we're like you were like I swear to God we didn't do this like this yeah. just came in. Okay, so we're gonna play some audio here now from the morning of the hike, some of our footage that. Uh, that I, I had when uh, when this email came through. It was uh, 6 a.m., So and we have some video of this on the YouTube version of this episode. This first clip is me turning my camera on as fast as I could to record my phone call with Lance 
I was outside when I looked at the email inbox and saw this email and I immediately turned on my camera and called Lance. Here's that conversation. Hey, um, we just got another email from Ray Ramey. F***ing 10 minutes ago. How the f*** does he know? Yes, look at it right now. I'm out 10... I'm, I'm already outside actually, yeah, everyone's kind of lingering about. And here's me talking to one of the producers, Eric, and I just approached him because he pulled up uh, in, in his car, and it's just kind of funny because it's early, so he's he's kind of stunned, but he just lets me talk. He Like, I'm having a conversation with myself, but it's based off of his facial expressions, which you obviously can't hear on a podcast. So here's that clip. You sent the coordinates. What? I'm not f kidding. Ten, uh, 11 minutes ago, he sent it. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm not shitting you. I didn't do it. As far as I know, Lance didn't do it, but it, it just came in. And uh, how the fuck? I'm, I'm dying to talk to him. I just called him. But uh, I didn't tell anybody. Like, my girlfriend. I, I didn't even think about it this time. Like, who not to tell. I just I didn't tell a soul. I gotta film that. You can check my phone if you want for sent messages or whatever you want. Like, yeah. But we'll brief everybody on that. Yeah. And here is when Maggie and Lance come over. The guy who sent the board. Yeah. Just now? 10 minutes ago. I didn't get it. It went to the Mora Murray account. Oh. Yeah, take a look. What's up? Yeah. We never actually got one from him directly officially one of the weirdest things that happened so far. It was like they couldn't really process it until they started processing it. And I remember like Art just kind of coming around and saying that this is this is weird. No, this is weird. Like, yeah. th- this is totally weird. And we started having that conversation about, well, who did you tell? Who did right. anybody tell? Could it have been a coincidence or could our emails be hacked again? Or could they have been hacked at that point? And that's how so someone was reading our emails or potentially someone on Texas Crew or really anyone in the group of people, including network executives, you know, could have had their email hacked to have that happen. Um, who the hell knows, really, honestly? And I don't really want to put too much more effort towards it. You know, we, we've sent the emails to the cold case unit and to Art and his buddies, and I guarantee it's not the place where the emailer wants the emails to be. So totally true. And to, to wrap up the email thing, congratulations again. Awesome. You sent us an email, you hit send, you wrote a, some interesting, um, thought provoking numbers that might be coordinates. And then, then it might've been a phone number. Awesome. Like good, good for you. Yeah. And don't, if anyone up there, Anyone listening who's thinking about doing this hike just to satisfy your own curiosity, it's not, it's really not worth it. If you don't, if you're not, if you're not a, uh, if, if you're, if, if, if you don't normally hike, don't do this. If you want to go and hike somewhere, go somewhere else, but don't do this. If it was only the way up to the top of the mountain, and then if you got to go back down that way, perhaps that would have been fine. The real issue is going down Desolation Trail from the top of the mountain. And going into the woods, like 100, 200 feet. 
like going into that area and trying to navigate around getting ripped in the face by you know this like series of i felt like i was in a saw movie you know the series of (laughs) razor sharp branches that are that are oh you didn't have to deal with that that's why you should have wore a a mosquito net damn (laughs) speaking of like a saw movie I, I I do want to say Alex and Chloe, they're hikers. They went up there. They figured out you know what they needed to do, and um, yeah, you know they went into the woods and and basically what we did was a, a follow up with a guide and a and a U.S. marshal. So two groups of people have gone up there when there hasn't been any snow and determined that there's there's really nothing there. There really wasn't even any disturbance around the area you know it wasn't like we went in there and we thought something could have been in a certain spot um there was there was really nothing uh but you know yeah the 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 ribbons on the trees just proved to me that someone went about halfway up okay so uh that's that's pretty much it that uh that i have to comment in on in this intro anyway you're gonna hear a lot of uh a lot of subjects, a lot of topics here in this uh, in the following audio that we recorded on Saturday, immediately following the uh, airing of episode six of the disappearance of Maura Murray on Oxygen. So uh, we'll just play that now, and we will be back next week, and we will try to sort of organize the thoughts of the community after this show, sort of let the dust settle a little bit more, and we can talk about some of the major. Um, moments from this show uh, next week. So uh, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, and, and send us some emails if you have any ideas on that. Obviously, I think we have a pretty good gauge on it, but uh, please feel free to tweet us or email us uh, at Doc, and the email is uh, missingmoramurray at gmail.com. Exactly. Feel free to chime in via email or Twitter. Or, Tim, we have an announcement, a really, really exciting announcement. You said once the dust settles on this, uh, the dust is going to start to settle, and then guess what we're going to do? We're going to have a live show at the Rockwell in Somerville, Massachusetts, the Rockwell Theater in Davis Square, Somerville, Massachusetts, on November 19th. Sunday, November 19th, and we will be joined by Maggie and Art, and we will uh, kick some dust up again. Yeah, and we will uh, take some questions, and we'll sort of answer some of the most nagging questions, and uh, so that'll be the first time they'll They'll be on the podcast for like a formal uh, interview, uh, you know, since the show. I know that they're on this episode too, this Facebook Live show, but this will be a little bit more formal. They'll be in person. It'll be be a little bit of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And if if you're in the area and you have a question for them and you want to ask, it's a perfect opportunity to the last 15 or 20 minutes, raise your hand. I'm sure we'll get around to, to getting your question in and you get to talk to them face to face in person. Um, you can ask them questions. You can, uh, you can compliment them. You can, you can, you can ask art why he's got such a magnetism that Tim loves and is drawn to. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, yeah, I know. And any, que- I'm saying any question is on the table and that's uh Sunday, November 19th, 6 PM. Uh, limited are- seating, limited seating. Yep, Exactly. Uh, doors are at 5:45, and um, to purchase tickets, we will have a link to Brown Paper Ticket in the show notes. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy this episode, and we will be back next week. Thank you for listening.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Missing Mora Murray Live. We are talking here today after episode six of the disappearance of Mora Murray aired on Oxygen here Saturday night. It is 8.11 p.m. Uh, we just watched the finale. Lance, how do you feel about episode six? Well, it's uh, a lot more um, somber. The ending was a lot more somber than I expected it to be. Uh, obviously, you know, you would have heard about it in the news if anything had conclusively been discovered and, and any sort of resolution, um, you know, that, that would have been out there before this episode. Uh, but the way the, the, the emotional ending there with seeing Mora on the ATM footage and mostly seeing Fred and uh, Kurt and Julie react to that was pretty not it, it, it was kind of stunning. It was very stunning. It's kind of emotional seeing them um, obviously react to that. The DNA news. We we need we're we're gonna hear from Maggie Freeling and Art Roderick in just a little bit. They're gonna join this live show and this podcast here um, to fill us in on a little bit more of the DNA news because I'm not so sure, right? So I think this is a huge break. I still I know it's not conclusively Mora, but let's not be mistaken here. This could be an enormous break in the case. If it's not an enormous break in the case, it's an enormous discovery for that house, for the house and, and the, the, um, the, the people who resided there at the time. Um, we'll, we'll come out and say the name at, at some point. But if, if we keep saying, if that, wasn't, if that wasn't Mora's blood, I mean, how much blood are you bleeding? Right. Whose blood was that? Something bad happened in that house. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit uh, with Maggie and Art, a little bit more of the details of the blood found in the A-frame house. But there was a, a lot more that went on in this episode. We heard from medium Allison Dubois, which I think uh, w- was an interesting segment really only because some of the things that she said kind of matched things that we had talked about or things that had been known about or or speculated on in this case. Obviously, if she had never researched the case or anything like that, she kind of nailed some of the some of the aspects of the case. Right, with the 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 two brothers or the three um the the bridge thing was a little uh the bridge thing was interesting to me uh you know if you're thinking about if someone was abducted and they the body is disposed of then it's probably tossed off a bridge i could see where she was coming from with that um but that would mean that if mora's body was tossed off the bridge immediately after so either on the that night or the next day or within that week the the amanusic river is frozen no one's throwing a body off of a bridge thinking that that's going anywhere significant permanently right um that would mean that someone tossed the body if she's accurate with this someone tossed the body off the bridge long after a fall uh, the thaw yeah um but she did nail the brothers i thought that was interesting even even if yeah. it's just a theory you know or speculation about these brothers she actually nailed that so i thought that was actually kind of fascinating right and the 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 road that only locals would know somewhere to drink something like a dead end um and that's that's really the an accurate description of where the a-frame is located yeah you you don't just kind of stumble on it you know you could if you were driving down there but no, that's just, that's when she said that. When she said that about a dead end or a, a local road, some a road that only locals would know. That 
That resonated a little bit. There was some things, I think, in what she said that could have fit with the A-frame house, which uh, I, I'm not ready to give up here at all. No. With the so, A-frame? Yeah. No I, way. I think it's a yeah. great lead. I think it's a lead that needs to be followed even further than it's been followed at this point. Yep. We're going to have Maggie Freeling join us in about five minutes. What else from the episode, uh, Lance, did you take away? So let's just talk about this DNA again real quick here. So human blood was found on a paneling chip in the downstairs closet of the A-frame house, a, a, a wall paneling chip. It's a piece of wood. It was tested, and not only one human being's blood was found on this chip, but two. One male and one female. Right. Now, the the DNA evidence was inconclusive. It was maybe a little degraded, too degraded to be able to tell if this was Maura Murray or not right now. But how many other people have gone missing in that area that have been rumored to have been killed in that house? So are we looking for people that went missing in the area? or how? Even if it's not that, what happened in that house that provided so much blood? Well, I mean, we that that ship was taken at the eleven year anniversary, correct? That ship was how much well, blood? The twelve year anniversary was twelve uh, year anniversary. Yeah. How, how much blood was bled in that house? So, actually, good question. I have uh, I have a quote, a direct quote from the old owner of the A frame. When we entered the A frame with John Smith back on. Uh, February 9th of 2016, we went in there and John grabbed the the wood paneling from the downstairs closet. But I spoke to the old owner who told me just a couple of days ago that he sprayed luminol on that downstairs closet before he gave these wood panelings chips to, to John. So he had an inkling that there was human blood in this closet. And obviously he had found out that this house had been rumored to be a part of this case to potentially more had been killed there. And he said after he sprayed the luminol, it lit up like someone broke a bunch of glow sticks open. So luminol is a, is a product that you can use to that it will light up. If there is blood present and you put luminol on it, it will light up like it's glow sticks. Right. Blood, so yes. spit, semen. It's it's DNA. It was blood in this case, human right, blood. Right. And it was glowing as if, he said, glowing as if someone took a bag of glow sticks and dumped it on the floor and sprayed it on the walls. He said that the floor pooled up with blood. Right, based on how it looks like, how the how the, um, the luminol, the luminol illuminated it, it, it was clearly a pooling of blood. Yes. So... Someone was killed in the A-frame house, one mile away, or just a little bit less, one mile away or, from where Mora went missing. Or someone bled a whole lot. In the closet? A whole lot. A whole lot in the closet, and then he was taken to the hospital, and he was fine. Could have been, yeah. Come on. No, I know. <laughs> You're being sarcastic. Well, I'm, I don't want to come out and say someone was killed if, if it was somebody who's just, like, accidentally sliced their own jugular in, vein. In the closet? What are you talking about? I'm totally willing to say someone was killed in that house. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring Maggie on in just a few minutes and get her opinion here, too, from Derek. The owner of the A-frame house uh, it, it was not involved. He, he, was, uh, 
renting the place out. And it was a fella named Claude who uh, had a brother <laughs> um, of, of great interest as well. Let's see here. Hey, I can hear you now. Hey, right, Maggie. Great. How are you? Hi, guys. How's it going tonight? Good. Uh, that was actually the first episode I hadn't seen. Um, I had only seen it like one time, so that was a pretty rough ending. It's pretty somber, right? The ending. Yeah. I mean, just seeing Fred, it was, um, you know, it's crazy when you sit there in those interviews, you're just so kind of in the moment that I actually am more emotional watching it back on TV than I am at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. In the time, I'm just so in kind of like work mode and, you know, there's cameras everywhere, so it just doesn't feel personal. But watching him back, it's just, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah, it seemed particularly heartbreaking when um, mm. when Julie was looking at the uh, at the jacket mm -hmm. and said, "I don't know if this is her jacket. Do you remember this being her jacket?" And mm -hmm. and Fred took it as, "No, that's definitely Mora." And Julie took it right. as, "No, I know, but I just want to know where this jacket is." And it was like they couldn't wrap their head around seeing this. Like, and you 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 didn't show this to them beforehand, right? That was a genuine reaction, right? Yeah. I couldn't even imagine wrapping their, they're trying to wrap their heads around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. Is there anything to take from those ATM footage, uh, those photos, do you think? No. Um, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't know why they held on to them for so long considering there's nothing in them, but, um, I think I said last time that I think the main reason would be if there was anyone else in the photo. And when we actually first saw them, we noticed there is a car in the background. And the first thing Art and I did was try to zoom in, get the license plate, figure out, you know, did this car have something to do with it? Is that someone that dropped her off? You know, was it even her car there? And, you know, when we called the police back, they were like, no, we've already looked into that car. You know, we've tracked down that person. And I think that is what they didn't want people doing, assuming that, you know, a car in the photo or someone in the photo had something to do with this. Um, so actually, all of the photos were not released to us because they did have people in them. Um, we looked at the numbered sequence and these were a little bit out of sequence. So there were ones that were withheld and it's probably because there were cars and people in the background. Okay, so the reason they weren't released to the public is because of fear that the public would track down some of these cars? Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, and, you know, uh, yeah, kind of go off on that. I mean, one of the photos that there is definitely a car in the background you can see, and um, I think they didn't want people going on those goose chases and hunting down these people that have absolutely nothing to do with it. Right, when it's law enforcement's Art and I job. Were about to, you know, we were like, oh my goodness, there's a car with a license plate. Right. Um, you know. Right, and we're, we're going with the, uh, I'm, I'm assuming the correct assumption that it's law enforcement's job, and we should assume that they looked at everything in the background of those ATM uh, stills. Um, right. Yeah. Speaking of law enforcement, I have uh, Art's number here. I'm going to give him a ring, and we'll get him on. Let's get our law enforcement correspondent on. Special analyst. Right, and I actually see um, Nancy in the group saying Fred had seen them already, and I didn't know if that was public information, but yeah. it, he had. Fred did have the ATM footage. They yep. did show it to Fred a while back, um, but Julian Kurt had not seen it. Okay. 
Yeah, and you showed us. You actually showed us um, when we were up there visiting with you guys, shooting with you guys. Um, so that was that was pretty interesting to see, and it was inspiring to know that uh, law enforcement was giving you guys that kind of thing. You know that that was so sought after by the public. Yeah. Um, and and we couldn't even say that that they had given you that. I mean, if it was if we could even just have said that, then maybe maybe some of the public would have been. Um, on you know on board for this show a little bit easier from the get-go potentially yeah all right we have our- yeah i mean the the police gave us a lot more than they probably should have in, in any case you know it seems like they didn't but the fact that we can call them and you know ask them questions that they'll answer for us is more than i think normally would ever happen right do we have art on we do i think art I'm on. Yep, you got me. All right, Art. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. What did you um? Did you watch this episode? What did you think of it? Of course I did, and I will tell you that I can't believe they. they <laughs> and I know it's editing, but that hike was a lot worse than what it appeared on the uh, actual cutting room floor. That's probably where most of it ended up. I have to agree with you that that they they left out some crucial elements of that hike, including um, including us stumbling out yeah. of the woods in the dark, probably two and a half hours worth of hiking in the dark to get out. Uh, yeah, what was exactly. it? Thirteen something hours of of, yeah. of hike, and um, you were right about the editing going into that dense area to the coordinates. Um, they did their best to make it appear that it was difficult, but. It it was it was like walking through a spider web of of tree branches and the ground. I was... actually think that it looks much easier than it actually was. Like I was looking at it, I'm like, man, this looks like a cakewalk, but that was treacherous. Right the uh, the the ground wasn't even a gr- like it wasn't yeah. solid ground when we went into the woods because of all of the yeah. fallen branches and. Uh, you know, just trees dying. It was like a subground. We kept slipping down, like slipping through, and you know, cracking. Oh, the through amount the... of times all of us busted our asses! Oh my gosh! Yeah, there was there was well, definitely that was many probably the issue. Too. A lot of it they couldn't use remarks. because of the expletives we were using. <laughs> there were a lot of expletives. I, yeah. Coming coming out of that uh, area by the coordinates, I remember using quite a few expletives myself, um, mostly directed at the person who gave the coordinates in the first place. Um, and, and I'm glad that we went in there with a professional crew like you guys, uh, and with, um, a guide, uh, like, like Dustin, who was awesome and, and put that to bed because that, that is not a hike for people who don't know what they're getting themselves into when they do it alone. It's not a hike for anyone to quit it, quit it. No one enjoyed that hike. There were about 15 people who walked up and over that mountain and nobody enjoyed it. I threw up and afterwards. Sim threw up. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Awful experience. And, you know, also the what what blew me away was the was our crew, the camera guys, the audio, um, John and and you know Wilson and the guys carrying all that equipment around. And, um, absolutely amazing. Actually, you know, that's what art. What I want to do is, you know, everyone more. just sees me and art, but. Again, like we've said, there is a massive team behind us, and none of that would have been possible without them. So I just want to give a shout-out to the team, um, especially the PAs, the camera guys, the audio guys. I mean, it, they're amazing. 
So l- let's talk a little bit more about the A-frame house and the 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 blood. And is this like we we just had a mini debate here? What does this mean? Based on what was found, that that someone was definitely killed in that house, or someone died in that house in that closet, or was put to rest in that closet somehow, at least temporarily. I mean, I think this this is what I think. I mean, what we found was, uh, I mean, you have to imagine this. I mean, there was hardly, you know, if you remember Dr. Nuradine talking about it tinged a little bit pink. Uh, that means there wasn't much there. Uh, so it's not like one of these instances where we had a large sample and there was, there was blood just swabbed all over all those, um, uh, uh, pieces of the, uh, wall of the paneling, but it was, it was a sample enough to show up. I think the problem is when we look at the, the affidavit, the notary public, uh, signed document from the previous owner of the house. There is a reference in there to a luminol uh, test that showed quite a bit of uh, uh, what shows up as blood. Um, I think there's more to do on that, and I think there's more to do on the DNA thing. And we're still working with the New Hampshire State Police on that particular issue and with Dr. Lori Baker to see what her take on this is. I think she probably... Uh, has some very good contacts over at the Department of Defense that have a specific test to maybe work out or bring those profiles up to uh, a non-degradable position where we can actually get two full profiles out of that. Okay, gotcha. So what are the chances that we get a profile? She seems to think they're pretty good, but, but you know, we won't know till we actually... Um, get the original samples over to uh, her colleague uh, that does this for the Department of Defense. And, of course, when you're looking at what the Department of Defense does, uh, they do things like mass graves down in South America or or in Eastern Europe after the uh, war in the Balkans. So they're very experienced at enhancing these very small amounts of DNA to, to possibly pull out a full profile. Now, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, some type of DNA scientist, but this is what she has has told Maggie and I about um, about what can be done with those tiny bits of samples that, that we actually have. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, we have a lot of people who have asked about there being a second season or some follow-up episode. I know we can't really say anything right now because we just don't know. But uh, do you have anything that you can tell uh, everyone who's watched tonight and everyone who's listening? Can you tell them, uh, reassure them that if anything comes out, what what would the uh, process be to, you know, let people know about this, um, whether it's a follow-up episode or, or anything that could come out publicly? I don't know um, if we can talk about any of that, but uh, it's, you know, we didn't, we're not just ending. And as everybody knows, you know, Art and I and you guys are 
um, you know, and John, everybody are all actively still engaged in this. Again, I get, I get emails every single day, messages, and I'm calling those people and passing the information on to the police. So as we saw in the episode, this is an active investigation. Now there are three task task forces. Um, there's somebody looking at her possibly being alive and having run away. There's somebody looking at murder. Um, and there's somebody, or what's the other task force for? It's, it's a possibility she walked off into the woods. Or, yeah. So, or... I mean, they have three specific groups looking. And when we pass information on, you know, whoever's looking at that gets that information. So it's very, very much active and alive. I don't know if it'll turn into another episode or what, but we will see. Yeah, I think, you know, the one, the conversations we've had with the state police are that, they're getting phone calls every day. Now, a lot of them, a lot of the leads are rehashing some of the the original stuff, but they're okay with that. They would rather have those leads come in and take another look at them because, you know, as we had mentioned in the in the series, they're going back to the very beginning and relooking at all this stuff. So, uh, any information at all, please give them a call and uh, you know, in 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 talking to them and. Maggie and I know that they that they really are jumping on this stuff. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing that didn't make it in the show, but um, is that people want the FBI to take this over, but that would actually be a step backwards for this case because the FBI has so much on their hands that this would be a back burner case, and it would be pretty much back at the beginning. I mean, the fact that the New Hampshire State Police is has three task forces open to this and they are working with FBI when they need to do state lines and, you know, find out things that they can't. Um, and working with a freaking U S Marshal with art, I mean, art gives them advice and his recommendations every day. So I think the case is in the right hands right now. Um, and I think art, you agree with that, that if the FBI took it, it would be a back burner case. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's 13 years of institutional knowledge that the state police has on this. And, you know, of course, as much as we would like to have them completely open their files to us, I think they shared quite a bit of information with us. And, and the case is in the right hands now. Now, it's not to say that the FBI doesn't have some involvement because they still call, the state police still call the FBI for, to handle some leads that are possibly outside of their jurisdiction. So, um, you know, there's still some involvement from the Bureau, but really the lead, the lead people on it are the uh, state police major crimes, the, the cold case unit within that, within that organization. And it was also touched upon uh, uh, that Interpol was involved with this. Can you, um, yeah. yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? I found that to be extraordinarily fascinating. That's and huge, reassuring. and that, that was an art thing, um, really pushing that uh, to get them to do that. So, again, you know, they are, they are collaborating with a U.S. Marshal in this case. I mean, this is in the right hands, but Art can talk about that. Yeah, there's, there's a, it's, it's not very well known, but um, because generally when you think of Interpol, and you think of the uh, National Crime Information Center, you think specifically about wanted persons. Um, but each one of those databases, which is a federal uh, law enforcement database, they uh, specifically over at Interpol, they have different colored, uh, what they call notices for different crimes. The yellow notice is specifically for a, 
uh, a missing person could be endangered. Um, and that's what Morris category kind of falls into. It's a very broad category, but what happens is um, uh, they send a request into the U.S. National Central Bureau of Interpol for the United States, which is here in Washington, D.C., and there's a, a fairly, fairly large group of marshals that work over there uh, in the Alien and Fugitive Crime or Fugitive Unit, and um, uh, they've that case has kind of moved down to their level there. So what they do is they blast this yellow notice out uh, to 190 member countries. And in there it has, um, you know, her basic pedigree information, height, weight, when she went missing, and the fact that they have her DNA and dental files on prof on, um, on file so that if, if needed, you know, uh, a foreign country would contact USNCB and they would follow it up with the New Hampshire State Police. And, of course, we specifically did that because of the Canada connection. Right, right. Um, I think we should talk a little bit about this mysterious uh, Loon 3 real quick, or as long as you guys want to talk about yes, it. Yes, actually, w was this the car chase? Everyone's asking yeah, in the we chat got the room about the car chase. On. Yeah. Was, was, the car were you chase chasing was a the Loon 3? car chase, and it was freaking wild. I was driving, um, you know, for legal purposes, there are people we can't put in the show and name legally. You know, if, it, if they were never named a suspect, or, you know, if they just were not involved in the case, we can't legally name them. Um, uh, on so, Oxygen, you know, we could... but, but hey, we're on yes. Tim and Lance's show right now. Right, no, exactly. <laughs> so on Oxygen, we couldn't, so. Let me consult you know, our we... lawyers, hang on. Yeah. They said it's cool. But that was actually a car chase with Rick Forcier. Uh, we tried approaching him and just talking to him, and he had uh, tore out of his driveway, and our first instinct was just follow him. Um, and we got in a high-speed car chase on the highway with him, and he took us to a Home Depot parking lot. It was, like, you know, straight-up CSI-style, like, pull in, whip into the parking lot. Uh, we lost our camera guys. We had no camera. So it was just audio. And uh, we, we asked him, you know, are you Rick Forcier? And he said, no. And we obviously knew it was him. And uh, nothing really came of it. He said, I'm not, he said, you know, when I didn't call you back, that was me. That's a direct quote. Um, so yeah, he didn't want to talk and we couldn't put that in the show because he would not sign a consent form. And every single person you saw in the show signed a form consenting to speak with us. So, uh, high speed car chase was cut out, but it was pretty wild. So okay. well, let's just explain who Rick is. Real yeah, quick. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So R Rick is another neighbor who basically lived right across the street from Butch Atwood. And he had described seeing, uh, a person who fit Mora's description uh, that night, but only months later did that account come forward because people overheard him kind of joking about it. So his account has always been very suspicious, I would say. Is that is that true, Maggie and Art? Yeah, I mean, he changed his story so many times. Um, and I think, you know, the police think, and even from us talking to him, he's a freaking kooky dude, but he was actually one of the only people who had his... Um, uh, trailer searched. I mean, his his place, his property was searched, and they found nothing. Right, and yeah, his property was. If you were to look straight down on that um, 
that that image that we keep seeing of the bend there on 112 Bradley Hill Road is up there by um right on the the crest of that hill um right. on the if you're looking straight down on it on the left is Butch Atwood's house and on the right slightly tucked back is Rick Forcier's house so right. um are right, you you just said uh you just said um what when when Tim asked that question about about Rick Forcier you said um you gave the impression that there was a lot more to that than well i mean i he's you know he's a strange guy uh we i think we all realize that that at this point that the state police have convened uh one or two grand juries that we know of and grand juries can be used for investigative purposes and i think uh he might have been an individual that they might have pulled before the grand jury um it's just very odd that he, you know, he never reported that sighting to the police. And apparently it was four or five miles away from where the accident actually occurred. And he report, and it was uh, relayed to law enforcement, I think, either three or four months after the actual accident. Um, and, you know, I, I have to tell you, I've come across, uh, you know, a lot of investigations. A lot of people, they have a few drinks at a party and all of a sudden, you know, I'll do to you what I did to so-and-so. And, you know, we've heard a lot of that in this particular case. Um, and uh, a lot of times, you know, I think the majority, overwhelming majority is bravado, but you have to listen to this stuff and uh, you have to investigate it. And I think that's exactly what happened here. That He was, he was looked at pretty heavily and um, uh, I don't officially know if he was ever cleared or not, but, um, you know, he's just another interesting character in this, this whole saga. It is really interesting because of his somewhat shady background and he didn't months later, weeks later, he really didn't need to say right. that uh, about maybe seeing someone who fit the description of Mora running up by, I don't want to say running uh, up by uh, Hummingbird Lane, which is like five or six miles away from the car accident. Right. Uh, it also puts her around the location of an individual who was looked into as well, who is sort of a um, wild card in the whole case, uh, which just adds another layer to the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, but so he. Uh, we'll wrap up on Rick in a second. Uh, he said that when you when you asked him if if. He was Rick Forcier. He said no. He denied it. He denied yeah. it. And then he spoke in double negatives. It was very bizarre, very weird. And my only, que my first question was, this man runs from us on the highway. When he realizes we're following him, he whips into a Home Depot parking lot, like a public parking lot. Like, he didn't know who we were. So who is he running from at a high speed and going into a public parking lot, you know, where somebody could see what happens to meet them, which was just very bizarre to me and just leaves a lot of questions like, who is he running from? So do you guys think he's a reasonable person of interest? Well, I don't know about person of interest. I mean, I... I um... I think he's been looked at. Now, whether he's been cleared, I don't know. But I think he's been looked at because, he, he, you know, the reality of it is he, he inserted himself into the investigation by making these comments. And you always have to 
look at people that tend to insert themselves into investigations. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's probably still being looked at. I don't know. I don't know. This, this is one of these questions where we really don't know. Um, law enforcement is holding, you know, some stuff close to the best because they, they have to. Um, so I, I, don't, I wouldn't call him a person of interest. I would say that, that um, he's definitely an interesting character. Okay. Okay. So, um, so what about the Loon Three then? Another people that we couldn't name, um, and we know that the police have looked into the art. Did they do interviews with? Uh, so there's, it think, could be, you know, yeah, multiple sets did. of brothers. Um, it could be the Aldrich brothers or the Glynn brothers, um, right. who, you know, we also couldn't name on the pod on the documentary. But I mean, as so many people out there, if you just Google Loon Three and connection to Mora, I mean, you'll find these names. So I don't think it was a disservice to not name them. I think people can easily find them. Um, but yeah, our, what happened with the police looking into them? Yeah, I mean, I think they they as you know, as law enforcement always does, they they check everybody's alibi. And um, are they a hundred percent cleared? I've I don't know. I mean, this is another situation where law enforcement has to keep certain things under wraps in case somebody does come up as a, as an official person of interest. Um, so, uh, you know, this is another one of these stories that uh, has been around since the, since the very beginning. And you heard Dick Guy talk about it on the interview we did with him. Uh, you know, he even talks about the Loon 3. So, uh, you know, most of these stories have been looked into in the conversations I've had. Actually, all of these stories have been looked into in the conversations I've had with the New Hampshire State Police. They've, they've looked at all this stuff. And, you know, and a lot of times in these types of cases, you know, law enforcement a lot of times has a good idea who might have done something, um, but they can't prove it in a court of law. Uh, but what we're being told, what Maggie and I were being told in this, is they don't even have that in this particular case. Mm -hmm. They don't have a prime suspect. Yeah, and we don't know how, how those brothers were either cleared or not cleared or, you know, they just right. don't have enough on them. But, I mean, they were looked into from early on. It wasn't just, you know, recently since people started bringing up their names. I think it was a, a long time. Because, um, you know, John Smith has been on these brothers for quite some time. So... Uh, I think the police looked into them as well. So a lot of people are here in the chat room talking about John Smith and uh, wanting us to acknowledge him for bringing these these wood chips to you guys. And I feel like we have uh, never done a, a shortage of John Smith acknowledgement. Um, but can you guys tell us here tonight? It, so you're saying that the the DNA is potentially a little too degraded. How annoying must it be for the New Hampshire State Police to know that John Smith gave these blood chips to you and it tested positive for not one but two people's human blood, and then it's on them to take it further and and test it? But if the, this comes up, Mora, Murray, like, uh, aren't they going to be pissed that it's John Smith? Do they think that way? I mean, obviously, John Smith talks a lot of stuff about them online. 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, as I did, I didn't care where the information came from or right. we got it. Um, the problem we had that can never be used in, in, in a court of law. Now, it would be interesting information to figure out whose DNA is on there. Um, but not only are the samples degraded, but there's no, absolutely no legitimate chain of custody. Um, so it's, it's very difficult. Um, it, it, you know, it's very difficult from a, from a law enforcement perspective. And this could be just be a, a worker that cut his finger in there, too, or a couple of them. I don't know. What? I mean, Get out of here. Know. It's just so degraded that it, it's hard to tell what's in there. You're saying I so. Mean, the problem is too. The problem is too is that the chips wouldn't wouldn't, but they wouldn't even. And you know, when we talked with Strelzen off record, um, you know, we've we've been pushing them on this. We're like, come on, mm -hmm. test it, keep going, keep going with it. And from a prosecution standpoint, he can't use this in the court. It's nothing. It's right. nothing. It will not even be admissible right. in court because of the I, chain of custody, which is nobody's fault. I mean, I know that's John did an amazing in. job getting the chips. Yeah. But and, it's, yeah. you know, and unfortunately. Know that, that, that's Strelzen's thing, right? Like getting getting a, a, a yeah. <laughs> an indictment or something like that. But yeah. people no, want to know. Yeah. Like, that yeah. it's not. Of course. Not, not wanna, just us. Not, absolutely. Not, you know, not, not public. The, the family deserves to know whether there's an indictment possible or not. Yeah. This is something that right. needs to be followed up on. Because it to, you know, looking more into somebody, bringing them in. It's probable cause, absolutely. If it's Maura Murray on or enough information to say that it's more Murray on those blood chips and not enough to give an indictment, the Murray family won't give a shit because they trust John Smith and they know where he took them from. Even if a jury of 12 wouldn't trust him. It, but it's not even that you can't even, it, it would be, it, it would be dismissed off the bat. Yeah. It has nothing to do with trusting John in a court. Uh, the defense would say this is completely inadmissible because of the chain of custody. Right. No, I mean, I know I, I agree, but, but, but I'm right. saying that if they can find out that it matches close enough to Mora, like, all right, here, here's what I've been wrestling with, right? The o Occam's razor, everybody, everyone wants to talk about Occam's Love razor Occam's all razor. the time, yeah. all, all, the, all the time. So Occam's razor, right? We're, I, I'm sitting here and I think Lance and maybe you guys are too sitting here and saying that we think probably someone died in that house. Maybe no, was, that's not true either. That's, that's not true. Okay, please. That. No, because it's a little bit of blood. Uh, if I came and luminoled your house, you know how many drops of blood I would find in there? But you've got to talk about a pint or a quart of blood, which is completely different. Even the luminol test, the luminol test is the first, generally the first test you do. And that tests positive for any kind of blood, deer blood. You know, it's not, it doesn't, the, the test we did found a tiny, tiny bit of human blood. But on the walls of a closet where it's not like someone's someone's hanging out. Uh, and, and the old owner said that, that there was a pool. He said it lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, like but was... that doesn't mean it was human blood either. Luminol will test positive for other stuff. But... The test we did was the phenophaline test, which indicates human blood. And then obviously, finally, when we shift it off to the DNA lab, that's all they test for. They don't. They don't. They just come up with DNA samples. So it was human blood. So There's then, no doubt about it. But it was such a tiny amount um, right. that 
I mean, listen, I think it's worth looking at more, but let's not read into this because this is how this is how this case got out of hand in the beginning. Let's not read into it. It's a tiny bit of blood. You know, somebody could have cut their finger in there or something. Who knows? Well, no, it's not like we got a pint or a quart of blood. You're you're totally you're totally right when you say that um, this is how the case got to be where it is yeah. now and this is what the point of the show is is to bring all of that back down to like a realistic level yeah. and and I'll I'll say there is perhaps some excitement of learning about this location the A-frame house and knowing that um Claude and Larry uh Larry was the one who gave the knife to Fred and said I think my brother had something to do with uh, your daughter's disappearance that's the that's yeah. the story that's out there about that so there there probably is some level of emotion that we're speaking from and and knowing that uh, the luminol lit up an area and if it's blood then it's a lot of blood. Um, but yeah, let's 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 bring it back. It, it it very well could be a combination of many different types of blood or many different types of things that would yeah, it would is a light combination. Uh, no, it, it's two people's it's not, bloods, two two human what, beings' what, blood the, on the walls in the closet. I know, but and you, but, and but you what, guys and what I the, like what text the about old... this in a fury all day. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Let's all just admit it. Like that's it, crazy. It's fucking that nuts. There is it's to- two it, human blood in the closet. It it's it is absolutely crazy. When the owner of the house at the time sprayed the luminol and saw everything that lit up, I mean, you're talking. It could have been a number of different things. What what Art is saying. A number of different things that that would light up luminum. Yeah, it absolutely yes. would. Yes, I I get that. Yeah, but, but then but then so you're saying there's a deer or two deer carcasses in in the the closet that pulled up on the bottom, and then there's also two human blood uh, samples on the wall in the closet. Well, uh, what what is being said is that there's a possibility of many different things in there, so it has to be approached with right. I think a little less with emotion. Caution. caution. I, yeah, I, yeah. I okay. With caution. I am yeah. I am a little with emotional caution. about let's, this. Let's, yeah. Tonight. Let's see how it plays out uh, that this is being investigated i mean um you know the the owner is going to be talked to if not already talked to already right um that had the house back then but you gotta i think when you guys when those chips were actually brought forward was just a couple of years ago right last year yes yes 2016 was when uh when we were yeah. in there february 2016 yeah so i mean you know that's 12 years from when she went missing. Right. And um, so, and people have to, people have to understand that as a, as a law enforcement official, like as a, as someone yeah. with a law enforcement background, you, you can't just say you, there's no way that you would ever like responsibly agree with this theory that, that you should never, Art as a law enforcement right. official say, yeah, I totally think that there was two people's blood in there and one of them was Morris. Like, right. There's no because we're I'm looking at some comments here saying, um, you know, saying like, come on, just like understand what it really is. Like people are using common sense and people are using better judgment, and it's such a delicate case. I mean, there's a reason why it hasn't been solved for 13 and a half years. Right. And flying, uh, not not to insult anybody, but flying off the handle and and grabbing something and being so like just wanting it so bad isn't going to make it true. That, and that's, that's been the purpose of our involvement from the very beginning. You know, Maggie and I didn't want to, don't want to get wrapped up in creating another 
theory uh, here that has no basis for reality. So uh, I, I think all we're saying is let's be cautious here. Right. Let's see what happens. I agree. I agree, Art. And, yeah. and thank you for, for talking some sense into us. Um, Going to try to be responsible. But but isn't it reasonable to like assume you say that us. something really fucked up happened there? <laughs> I like it's how it's totally reasonable. Well, I assume. think, you know, I, you know, knowing Claude, his personality, who he was, the things that are talked about from by him, about him, I mean, I mean, I think some fucked up shit did happen in that house, whether it's, you know, somebody was murdered in the house or what. I mean, okay. I think some fucked up shit went down in that house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Art, can there still be evidence that is found from that closet or underneath that closet or anywhere else? There might be, but I don't know the, you know, what has happened construction wise to that location since you guys got those, you know, since you went out there and were able to actually pull those chips. I don't know. I mean, there's other things we're looking at, bone fragments, you know. Um, and I got an initial indication that it looked to be too thick for human bone. Right. Um, okay. But um, uh, Dr. Baker's got a colleague of hers that's an expert in that area that's going to look at it. Okay, so so what what you're you're talking about here is a yeah. bone sample that uh, that we took out of the house the same day that John gave the sam or the same day John collected the sample from the downstairs closet. Lance and I and KF and our cameraman we were upstairs in the upstairs bedroom and in the upstairs and we were in the house that day. Uh, we we took some scrapings from the floor. We pulled up the carpet and took some scrapings on the, from the floor from what we thought was a blood stain. And we also took bone from the fireplace in the upstairs fireplace. We took chips of bone. And so this was a, in the spring of 2016. Uh, we had these tested or at least looked at by a forensic anthropologist who said they were animal. Um, right. But now we, we have a, a bigger chip of bone that we didn't get looked at by that forensic anthropologist. And so now because of this information that came out in this TV show about the two people's blood in the downstairs closet, we figured maybe there's a chance that this, you know, that that anthropologist was wrong and this really is human bone. So so we handed that to Art to uh, to see if he can get. Uh, get some more detail on it, and it's, a li it's still inconclusive, but it does look like animal bone. And as far as the chips that we scraped up from the floor, we don't know. It looks like a blood stain, but so so maybe th there's a chance in our possession we we have a sample that is better than what was in the down than the blood that was in the downstairs closet. If that was actual blood upstairs, I don't even know. You know, it would be irresponsible to say we know that was blood. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got to turn that over, too. Yeah, and definitely. Have, have it looked at. We're talking about a tiny bit of blood here, too. Um, you know, I, I just remember, I was actually in shock when Dr. Noradine said, we've got blood here. And he goes, there's a tiny bit of change of pink on the, on the Q-tip. And um, that's, I, I was still kind of amazed at that, but it, it's a tiny bit of blood. Um, so can, can it be enhanced? I'm being told it can be, but it's a specific test that's usually not done, um, by law enforcement. Um, so we have to see how this plays out. There's still things going on. 
you know, Maggie said it. I agree. This this doesn't end with this episode six. Um, they're going to continue to do stuff. We continue to get leads in. Law enforcement continues to talk to people. Um, and, you know, as much as we were looking forward to the show, so were they. They're right. hoping something will come up. Right. Um, I don't know if we want to move off the eight frame house for right now, uh, but Fred made a pretty interesting comment there at the end when he said that uh, he he thanked you both for doing what you're doing, and then he said it might um, bring somebody out of the out of the darkness who who has been like living with the truth for a while. I'm just paraphrasing what he said. What do you what do you make about? Because um, I know there was probably a lot more that was talked about with the three of them and you too. Uh, what do you make about that that last uh, wrap up there with the family and his comments uh, and anything else that was behind the scenes that you thought was uh, emotional or or telling? Yeah, I mean that was the whole point. I mean I don't think either of us went into this thinking we're going to solve this. I mean that would have been absolutely insane if we could solve it and the police that have been on it for thirteen years couldn't solve it. Um, but the whole point was to bring national attention to this and get people talking and put pressure on law enforcement to reopen this and get their butts moving and take it seriously again. I mean, this is a 13 year old case. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It needs to be solved. So that was our goal was to get people talking, get all this emotion stirred up in, you know, the public and people to put pressure on law enforcement to solve it completely devastated that we couldn't come up with more definitive information for Fred and Julie and Kurt. I mean, it, it, uh, it was hard to sit there and look at Fred and watch him watch probably the last photos of his daughter at the ATM machine. That was very, very tough. Even when I was watching it tonight, I was like, Oh my God. Um, that, that's very, very tough. And I know, we got some comments after the last show about how law enforcement never even mentioned the fact that, you know, Fred's, uh, you know, Fred's got a missing daughter, but they did talk about it. I mean, they did, they have said to us in the past, you know, we got to remember Fred's missing his kid, you know, and it, but it was just very hard to sit there at the table with them and have them look at the, the ATM photos. That, that was tough for me. Yeah, it was uh, pretty apparent too. Watching that, um, just kind of how, like I said before, how stunning it was to see to see the reaction. Um, and when you were approaching the Murrays that day, what were you guys talking about to each other? Because you're you were bringing them sort of not not the conclusion you wanted to bring them. There, there was. It, it was a, it was a, Hey, we're still working on it. And this is, this is where it's at now. What, what were you guys talking about in the car ride over there? I mean, you know, like kind of like what Art said that, you know, it's a bummer. It, it didn't get solved. Uh, I think that was pretty high expectations. I don't think even the Murray's thought that would happen. I think they also are just grateful that there is national attention to this. Um, but they didn't know at the time that this was reopened and that, the, and that the police were actively looking into this. And I think everybody watching, I guess, from how Art and I have talked and people have lis- listened to us and followed you guys, it kind of became apparent the police were working on this. Um, but during the whole filming, the big thing was that this project 
had forced the police to go back in. Um, so when people wanted to know why Kathleen's DNA was being swabbed, that's why they're recollecting DNA. They're re-interviewing everybody. People are out there asking, you know, is Kate, what's up with Kate? Um, I have no idea what's up with Kate. That's blows my mind, but uh, yeah, she sure really. as hell will be talked to again. I mean, every single person in this case, Haas, everybody will be re-looked at and re-interviewed and talked to. Is it true that, that Mr. Murray wrote an email to uh, Kate and Sarah asking them to participate in this TV show and they did not respond to him at all? Yes. Um, Kate responded, I think, and said, you know, if you say that's, you know, you trust these people and we can talk to them, sure. And then she kind of just fell out of touch. There was a hot minute where we were in touch with her and then it just kind of nothing ever came of it. And I think with her and my kind of suspicion the whole time was that there was a grand jury in the beginning. And I think that a lot of these people, Kate, Sarah, um, Billy, you know, were all subpoenaed. I think they were in front of a grand jury. I don't know that for a fact. Please do not take that as a fact. This is my hypothesis. And they just don't want to perjure themselves by talking about all of this again to the media, which is completely understandable. If they, you know, said everything they could in front of a grand jury and to the police, uh, why talk to us, you know? So I, I think that was my hypothesis for why they will not talk. A phone call back saying, hey, look, I really don't want to do this, blah, 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 would have been nice to get everyone's suspicion off of you. But again, I have no idea. Yeah, and I think that in combination with that, it's just that they haven't, you know, online and in publications, they haven't been viewed as, you know, other issues have come up that have got nothing to do with the case. And, and you know, they just feel like they've been raked over the coals, which is understandable. Right. And that's really unfortunate because I'm sure if they were to look back on it now and see the work that has been put into it, they probably would approach it a little bit differently. They might answer the phone or answer their door uh, this time around if they had the opportunity to do it again. Um, so it, it is unfortunate. Uh, what do you make of uh, the show references the dorm party on numerous occasions? What, is this something that we can kind of put to bed or is there something significant there? The dorm party, um, I guess it's what you call a party. What do you call a party? Right. So a conspiracy is two or more people. So what's a party? Like four? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, apparently that party has been fully investigated, that so-called party. People have been talked to. Um, That's and, good to know. Uh, everybody yes. associated with that particular party has been cleared. They have been cleared and talked to, yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we need to, like, if if we don't have to get into that anymore and talk about specific names that have been cleared and bring people's names into it that don't deserve it, then right. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm good with I'm I'm good with you two telling us that that party was looked into and people have been cleared. Yes, yeah, and and you know it's also similar to the uh, to the to the photographs you saw um, at the ATM tonight, yep. or, or the photographs that were on TV about the ATM back from 2004. Um, the, the interesting thing is there was a series of one thing law enforcement is concerned about is, is, is information coming out and people are going to be, you know, 
tracked down by by individuals and interviewed, and, and that's one thing they're very concerned about. In those ATM photographs, there's actually a series of 22 photographs. Some of them had, you know, people coming and going, vehicles in the background. All those people were talked to and cleared, and law enforcement was concerned that if we, if they shared those photographs with us and we published them as we did, you know, on TV tonight, that uh, those people would be tracked down and bothered, and they've already been cleared. So it, it's pretty much uh, law enforcement has looked at every single thing that occurred during that day. All right, we got to wrap up here, guys, in a few minutes. Uh, we've been going for an hour already. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, uh, is, is there anything you can comment on, or do you know anything more about any grand juries or the grand jury? Were there more grand juries? Do you know who was the subject of a grand jury or other grand juries or anything like that? That was a very that was right at the beginning of the case, wasn't it, Art? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and and I don't know if there was one or two or it seemed to me that the conversations I had there was, there was multiple. More than one. I think he. It seems like he said grand juries. So right. um, I, I will say this: you know, grand juries are secret supposed to be secret um witnesses can talk about it um the grand jurors cannot um uh the transcripts are secret they're sealed you know everything in there is kept quiet i've actually testified before a couple grand juries um they can be used as an investigative tool so in other words you initiate a grand jury the grand jury will issue subpoenas for certain court records they will also compel you to come and testify uh, so that you have testimony on sworn record. Um, so uh, that is very helpful uh, when you're conducting an investigation to, to pull people before the grand jury to get their statements on record sworn to uh, so that they can't backtrack on stuff that they've said you know, or stuff that's come out in public. Right, and to, re to reiterate what Maggie had said, just so there's no confusion out there, um, it's not, that was Maggie's theory that perhaps people like Billy and Kate and Sarah had gone in front of a grand jury mm -hmm. and coming up so many years later, they didn't want to tell, not law enforcement, they didn't want to tell members of the media things that they might have said differently during a grand jury. And that might um, exactly. evoke some sort of perjure. Um, perjury. Yeah. yeah. And it might not even be that they're directly lying. It's just years later. No, they just right. don't want yeah. to say anything that's going to, like, fuck their lives up for a long time. Right. Exactly. And Which and I get. If that's the reason, that. I absolutely right. get I mean, it. Well, also, I, I get that a lot of these people have wanted to just move on. Uh, Right. You know, which is unfortunate. I don't think I would do that if somebody like Erin, when we spoke to her, you know, that was 13 years for her, too. She didn't really know Maura that well, but she said she was the one who um, revealed to us the homework assignment. You know, anything I could do that would help even now, I'll do it. So I, I would feel the same way. So maybe it's the perjury. I don't know. Right. I, I, I think I think you're right, Maggie. I think probably a lot of it has got to do with the fact that people want to move on. How did you feel about the medium, Alison Dubois, and what she came up with? Mm. <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> no, I think, from, from my perspective, 
I mean, for the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, my gosh. She seems to be right on to something here. And then it kind of, um, you know, I don't know if she got tired or what the deal is or, you know, I, I thought she was, she had some very interesting points. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I don't think we're ever going to know, actually, until we find something, you know? I really enjoyed the way the show ended, Maggie, with uh, you saying that there was nothing, and a lot of people will disagree with this, but there was nothing in Moore's life that would cause her to run away. Um, the way she was brought up and everything that you've seen from the family, you wouldn't expect somebody from that upbringing and that type of character and the genes that she had to just run away. And that goes into the bigger issue of the cause that you're so closely working with, the 70,000 women who are unidentified or missing. And it's so easy to say they, they had a bad week. She had a bad month, so she just ran. And it's so easy to say that. And it's not easy to say that there are bad men in the world who probably took her. Like, that's not the, that's not the solution. The solution has got to be she, had a, she just couldn't deal anymore. And I never really thought that was an option. I mean, it's just kind of coming from men who just think these women or women in general are just so weak. We just have to run away from our lives because we can't take it anymore. Um, it's, that just was never really an option to me. Yes, it does happen. Everybody is different. Everybody is different. Um, but Mora wasn't that person. And we know that from almost every single person that we have talked to, no one in the family believes that, um, that just did not seem like it was an option. The 70,000 women that is on any given day. So today there would be 70,000 missing women. That's not in total. And that's not an annual population that's taken from FBI numbers. And I think there's over, um, you know, 300,000 missing and then close to, you know, 90%, something like that are solved. They're found or whatever. So that leaves the extra 70,000 on any given day. So this is not, you know, right. in total the whole year. Um, there's actually a lot more people that go missing but are actually found. So those are the outstanding. 70,000. That It's a it's a hell of a cause to take up. So good for you. Yes. And yeah. I, I, you know, that's what I care about. And that's what I hope to continue looking at. And, you know, women of color don't get acknowledgement and they're, they don't get their cases publicized. And that's something I really care about too. So we'll see going forward. Um, what art and I can, can dig into. Yeah. Uh, Rachel here commented and said that it's an epidemic and, I would say anything with those numbers, if you said X happened 70,000 times a day that affected that many people and, and they died, that's like an epidemic. And it's it's funny that, and not funny, but it's unfortunate it's, that that's a, not... It's that, an epidemic that's been going on for quite a few years. Exactly. Yeah. And and not really talked about. So. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, as you know, I see people commenting, we're not going to stop with Mora. I mean, I, I do interviews every day when I see people, people message me. I mean, I call those people, I record the conversations to make sure, you know, I tell them I'm recording to get their statements accurate and ask if I can pass it to police. We're not stopping with Mora, but you know, hopefully we can continue with other women. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Maggie Freeling and Art Roderick, for joining us here tonight. And thank you very much to everyone out there in the Facebook Live community. 
uh, for joining us and watching this show, The Disappearance of Maura Murray. We will be back on the podcast Missing Maura Murray with more. And uh, thank you, everybody. Lance, yeah. any last Good. words? Thanks, Sean. Thanks, guys. Right. Good work to you guys. And, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.